we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? Tyranny of Souls, part two. I'm doing good. The tyranny of our souls continues. <laughs> Another week hanging out in my house in the can. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. You know, this tattooed millionaire should have been called the tyranny of my soul. And this should have been called hanging out with a tattooed millionaire because <laughs> this this album is great i'm, I'm glad to be back at it, it the really one great, take yeah. yeah the one take that we've gotten from a few listeners in the lead up because we've teased it is that the first half of the album is really strong and it kind of fizzles on the back end and we kind of addressed that i think last time a little bit um which means that we're in for a a crappy episode but that's not true at all is it nesbitt no i think uh, some of the strongest songs are on this well it ends really strong. I don't think it tapers off, no. Yeah. I think what they mean by that is it's so heavy. Yeah. To start, it just hits you over the head with, like, these songs yeah. that, you know, it's just because it kind of gets a bit slower and kind of sludgier towards the end, it doesn't yeah. make it any less heavy. Hey, you know, yeah. it's all about how you react to the <laughs> climax, right? Some people want to have a cuddle. Some people want to go to sleep. You know, it starts <laughs> strong. Let's just say that. Um, let's do a beer. Okay. So this is the Griffintown Blonde Ale. Yeah. Um, I think we're three weeks in a row of going to this uh, Bresser de Montreal, which is a Montreal brewery. Yeah. Well, you dropped off a big bag of beers. I did. So that we could... It keeps on giving. Because we're doing these episodes over Zoom and we're kind of uh, doing them remotely, so that we can both have the same beer at the same time while we're recording, I went to the liquor store, bought a bunch of beer, bought doubles, and dropped half of them at your house have them here so this is one of them yeah yeah and i wiped them down with sanitizer because dirty old nesbitt <laughs> all right let's do it do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers oh yeah so griffin town what kind of beer is this it's a blonde interesting thing about griffin town it's uh, an area of Montreal yep. that was it's called Griffintown because it was full of Irish immigrants that came around the time of the famine. Oh, I didn't know And that. it's an interesting area with a highly dense, even in the middle of this century, it was still a very dense Irish population where people had very Irish Catholic traditions but would speak fluent French. Okay. It's mm. delicious. I have been down in that part of Montreal before. Oh, this is great mm, beer. That's good. It's good. This is excellent. A good blonde. <laughs> you know what? Damn those French. They win me over every time. <laughs> you know? They did it again. Oh, yeah. Montreal is my favorite Canadian city, I think. Oh, it kicks the beans out of everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, Montreal with this just there's beautiful women everywhere, amazing culture, you know, and they just food, and they work less and seem beer. to have more. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no sense. Everyone seems so laid back there. You know what I mean? Mm. I still remember when we were in the airport, we went to see Maiden in Montreal, and then the day after the concert, we had to get up and fly to Toronto to see Maiden, like, the next day or the day after. Yeah. And we were both, like, super hungover. And it, this is, like, it's probably, like, what, 8 a.m. in the airport, in Montreal airport, and you're, like, asking the <laughs> the bartender at, uh, we went in and got some, like, bacon and eggs or something, and you're, like, oh, can I just get a pint with this? <laughs> Hair of the dog or whatever. And yeah. the, the waiter just looks at me and he's like, 
Of course. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah, what a stupid question. Of course, you can get a pint of beer at eight a.m. Why would you ask yeah, me of that? Course. And I was like, man, I love Montreal. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> like sums up the whole attitude of Montreal. All right, tyranny of souls. Tyranny of two. souls. So yes, we kind of the first episode we went in the tracks we told about the recording. This is kind of a remotely recorded album. You know, mm-hmm. Roy Z kind of had these songs, sent them to Bruce. Bruce worked on them. They kind of got together for a few short days to do the vocals and guitar overdubs, which is why I'm thinking in this uh, COVID pandemic, it would be perfect time for Bruce to finish off his half-written Roy Z album that he has, you know, they have an album half done, songs ready to go. Bruce just needs to, you know. (laughs) That that or, or, you know, spend time with his family and all that thing. But you know what? (laughs) I'm I'm with you. Um, (laughs) We went through the first four tracks, amazing. You broke down, you know, essentially his solo career at a high level, um, you know, gave Roy Z mad props, talked about the production quality and how he broke it down. Um, and one of the things I really wanted to touch on now, um, and I hope we can get into is some of the artwork and some of that other pieces. But before we do, I've got a request. Sure. Just to bring everyone back. Kill Devil Hill is so good, and everybody loves it. Oh yeah. Should we should we fire up a quick clip from okay. the from Kill Devil Hill? Right. Just so where we, we left, left off, off last time. Last time yeah. talking about Kill Devil yeah. Hill, which is the song which I love. It's no going back now. As the wind whips over the hillside, tiny nets over Kill Devil Hill. Steady wind blows over the side. good all right yeah I love so that's gonna it. Now run I'm in, in the mood I'm in the now mood. for tyranny of souls i'm in the mood I'm, I'm back in so one thing we didn't really talk about uh last time is so you've got bruce dickinson on lead vocals and roy z does guitar some of the bass and some keyboards dave moreno is the drummer uh there's a guy ray burke ray geezer burke who does bass guitar on some of the songs and juan perez who does bass guitar on some of the songs these are all people that like Roy Z had worked with in the past. So it's Roy Z and Bruce and like Roy Z's, you know, buddies or like people that he's had experience working with. Um, I don't think Bruce, I know when they were writing and recording the album, Bruce had never, didn't, you know, he had never met some of these guys. So it was very much like Roy Z setting up Bruce to like knock him out of the park with like a vocal melody and some lyrics. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is the keyboards on this album are by a guy named Maestro Mysteria. Maestro Mysteria, yeah. Um, yeah, I've never met him. Don't know what he looks like. He won't release photographs. Um, I think it's a, I think it's fantastic. It's a great vibe. So Bruce says he doesn't know what he looks like, doesn't know what his real name is. <laughs> what? Um, he's a complete mystery. And I got a quote from Roy Z, and he says, he's a mystery to me. I've never met the dude. We only correspond over the internet. We we just sent him suggestions of sounds and what he should play over email, and it would come back exactly what I asked. So no way. <laughs> so this guy Maestro Mysteria, um, 
you know, they would send the tracks to him and ask for keyboards and he'd put them on and send them back. And they don't know what he looks like. They don't know anything about him. He's like a complete mystery. Is it you, Nesbeth? But I looked him up and I found out what his name is. His name is... <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. So Maestro Mysteria is uh, Giuseppe Iampieri. <laughs> Giuseppe. So, uh, he's a great keyboard player. Anyway, he, yeah. they would send him the tracks and he would lay down a whole bunch of different options yeah. of like different kinds of keyboard tracks to lay over it. And then, uh, you know, Bruce and Roisy would kind of pick which one suited the song best and mix it in so that's cool yeah maestro mysterio mysteria (laughs) (laughs) so that was something we never touched on uh last episode i forgot all about it's like the third guy in our podcast we don't talk about (laughs) yeah he just sits here and nods (laughs) he does silent silent pete (laughs) yeah i know and every now and then when when i'm given a take he just kind of he just kind of grinds his teeth And one other thing I wanted to mention, I totally forgot about. So Roy Z has this uh, kit, uh, dining room studio where he recorded all the overdubs and Bruce did his vocals. Um, I've got a quote from Roy Z. He's talking about the board that he records on, that he mixes on. He says, some friends of mine back when bought the Rolling Stones original mobile unit, and that includes the mixing board. Uh, now, that board pretty much recorded Zeppelin 3, 4, Houses of the Holy, and parts of Physical Graffiti. It recorded Deep Purple's Machine Head. A mixing board is 24 or 48 strips of modules. Well, I have two modules from the original Rolling Stones mobile. So that's what he uses as his like mixing board for uh, recording these overdubs. He says, for some friends of mine bought the Rolling Stones original mobile. I don't know if I believe that. Because if you, I've, wow. I went down a very deep rabbit hole of that Mobile Stones <laughs> recording unit. Um, I think we talked about it in, was it the No Prayer episode? So it's changed hands a bunch of times. It's very uh, plausible that he has a chunk of that board. Now, I'm not sure how you, you know how there's like 24 or 48 channels, and I s- suppose you can, I don't know. I don't know how mixing boards work, but that's the quote. <laughs> So it's a piece of piece of history involved in order in mm, recording this album. Interesting. And speaking of pieces of history, the cover art. So we're doing this over Zoom, so it's not yes. uh, as exciting as it used to be. But uh, this is the vinyl, and I got the CD here. <laughs> Tyranny of yeah, Souls. Yeah. For every for everyone else, when they couldn't when they couldn't see <laughs> me looking at it next to you, they have to now visualize me looking at it via a web camera it's a totally different experience i meant not as fun for you because i used to hand you the album and you'd like look at the album. <laughs> so the cover artwork is part of this painting yeah. called earthly vanity and divine salvation by hans memling yeah a flemish artist of the 15th century so i kind of looked it up there's it's a there's three panels mm. and one has death which is like a skeleton type thing um the middle has a naked woman looking at a mirror and on the right it has this album cover which is like some sort of demon with like a face in his stomach yeah which is kind of like chemical wedding is also a classic painting it's a william blake the ghost of the flea and that's the cover of the chemical wedding so bruce is kind of on this like you know getting these classic paintings for uh his album covers second one in a row and the other thing is i looked this up the original you know, you always picture these classic paintings as being these big paintings like hang in museum. Yeah. The original painting that this album cover came from is only seven by five inches. What? It's pretty small. 
Yeah, and the Ghost of the Flea, the William Blake painting, that's eight by six yeah. inches. They're these little paintings. It's funny. I always assume that these are like these big. Was that like some right? mobile equivalent of painting back in the day? Some guy was like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I got a couple bit of pocket art going on. It could be. I'm not sure what the purpose of these uh, paintings were. We should have got our friend Anne, who's an yeah. you know, art historian, to uh, explain these to me. <laughs> uh, next track. Oh, yes. On the album, after Kill Devil Hill, Navigate the Seas of the Sun. Yes. So this is the first one that he worked on, that Bruce worked on. So apparently, I got this from a Roy Z interview. Yeah. Roy called Bruce up at 1 in the morning and played this one over the phone to Bruce. And that's what started Bruce off on this project. He heard mm. the demo and decided he wanted to go for another solo album. Because he was kind of... Uh, Chemical Wedding, which is such a great album, and Bruce was kind of disappointed by the reception of Chemical Wedding, and he was kind of hesitant to do another one. And then Roisy called up, played him the you know the demo of this song over the phone, and Bruce was like, "Okay, let's do another solo album." So it's rather chill coming out of Kill Devil Hill, yeah, right? It is, but that's why I like Kill Devil Hill. Halfway through, kind of chills out into this like vibe to set up this mellow song which i think works really good i think it works perfect flow i i do get some people's criticism that the second half of the album is you know kind of mellow it's only because of these two tracks navigate sees the sun and then river of no return um they do feel a little bit like they could be removed or independent of the album but i love them both and i like where they're placed you know? Yeah, I really love the song. Yeah, I do too, man. So I got a quote from Bruce, and he says, Navigate the seas of the sun is about carrying on to go and not return to raise families to colonize. Yeah. So I'm not sure what he means by that. Yeah, it's it's hard, again, not to take a Maiden fan perspective on Bruce solo stuff, obviously, because most people, like, there's very few people who are like, oh, man, Bruce Dickinson, the solo artist? Oh, he's an Iron Maiden? No, not really. But, like, you know, most of us come at it from this angle. But like once again, he like throws uh, a new frontiers in the out, out in this song. Like, and as soon yeah. as he said that, I was like, oh, there we go, Final Frontier reference again, you know. <laughs> and it's like the foreshadowing, like you know, Earthbound and the coming home, you know, comparison to Kill Devil Hill on the space theme with the. I talked about it last time. Um, I find yeah. it here again on this on this track. I just I, there's a few words that chip, but he says like new frontiers yeah. in the way he says. Well, it, again. Like, yeah. Pushing on with this like science fiction spacey theme. So I also read, he said, I can't remember where I read this when I was like reading up on this album, but this is supposed to tie into uh, this book, Chariot of the Gods, that Eric Von Donakin is the author, which is, I mean, you've heard, I mean, you might have heard Joe Rogan talk about him. And he, he has these, this book, Chariot of the Gods. It's about ancient astronauts that like visited Earth. And like influenced human evolution and like pyramids and Stonehenge. Yes. So he had this book that sold like 63 million copies. Yeah, he's the guy and that. Apparently, that's what this song kind of the lyrics tie into a bit. Yeah, he was the guy who. Is he the guy who talks about the fact that the pyramid structure repeats itself in so many cultures and not a coincidence? I'm not sure. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's actually very interesting stuff. And not only that, like. But apparently, that's what this song ties into. Really? Yeah. Neat. I don't have much more information other than that. Wow. Album's pretty heavy. Yeah. Halfway through Kill Devil Hill, they dial it down a bit. Yeah. Up to here, it's been pretty heavy. This is like kind of a 
you know, chills out a bit here, which uh, I kind of like. And all this album, too, we've been calling attention to Bruce, like Bruce's vocals. And we're always talking about when he, like, belts out those high-pitched mm. notes where he sounds so powerful. And he does do that on this song, too. But, like, this is an example of Bruce singing in that, like, lower register of his voice, yeah. which sounds great. It's not quite as, like, spectacular. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, his voice sounds really great here. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. There seems to be some really cool harmonies going on later. Like It kind of goes a little more, like, chilled out, and there's, like, some acoustic strumming in there. Yeah. But there's these, like, spacey, futuristic keyboards laid underneath it, so it still feels like that science fiction kind of uh, feeling. It's consistent with this, like, theme that's going through the songs. You know what I mean? Yeah. What I'm saying about the production and Roy Z produced the album is it would be very easy to drop, like, an acoustic-y, strumming song at this point in the album and for it to feel really out of place. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But because of the keyboards and the way that it's kind of produced, I'm basically saying the production makes this song fit into the flow of the album where I don't think it normally would. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I uh, what's he doing? Like when he's like at vocally throughout the song, he just kind of like carries, and like you're saying, he's singing a little lower. Yeah. Well, here's an example of like those low vocals yeah. I was talking about. Long ago, lingers at the borders of our minds. Mystery spinning in the dark, in the frozen emptiness of time. We were lost and we never knew who we were, what we left behind. Living half-lives, we were blind To the new frontiers that opened up our eyes So yeah, you're right, he says new frontiers. He also says half-lives again. So half-lives was going to be the name of the album. So this is another example of that term popping up. Yeah, this isn't just a slow track. There's a lot of layers here. Yeah, well, I was talking about the kind of, you know, the, the lower register where Bruce is kind of, you know, he's not quite belting it out. He's kind of more restrained. But then just when I say that, like the pre-chorus and the chorus comes in and he really does start like those soaring vocals that you love. We can go on tomorrow, in death by So yeah, I don't know. Another catchy chorus. It's not quite as like 
you know, it doesn't it doesn't stick out like the soul in Truer's Course or Kill Devil Hill. But I mean, it's it's a really nice song. I really like it. Yeah, and it's built to uh, really put an emphasis on his vocals here, and he does yeah. a lot going through the song. And then, but it's not like he's screaming or it's not epic. It's kind of like a yeah, he's more a melody of a kind of yeah, yeah. And it's it's very almost almost melancholy even like it's just it's just after kill devil hill it's just kind of down a bit yeah and uh but i i love it like people that don't um you know like this this transition i don't get it because for me i think it's necessary you know i just don't think you could ramp it up again yeah it's about a good place to have a bit of a breather you know what i mean after the opening of the album so intense the whole album and then like it's cool to chill out for a bit yeah and there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of album left too. Like we we do that we've done this when we were I think we were specifically a couple of albums stick out, but um, like no prayer, um, you know we had the same issue with fear. Uh, we talked about it. What was another album we did recently? Anyway, as soon as we hit a certain stage, the album just kind of like died, and we 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 had wished that they'd jumbled the tracks a little better. Yeah, uh, virtual the sequencing was a on prime this one's example. great. Yeah, yeah. And and we just felt it was so front loaded, and and a lot of people do make that point about this album, but you'll see it; it comes back up. I think. Yeah, the and is, if you're looking yeah. for full on just balls out rock, then maybe it is front loaded. But I mean, I really like the way this album kind of like has some peaks and valleys to it. It's cool. Yeah, it flows. Another thing I want to mention is Roy Z's solo in this song. Another like really a lot of emotion in this solo. Yep. It, it's got some like classical Spanish sounding guitar in it, which yep. is his band Tribe of Gypsies has a lot of really Latin influences to it. And I think this is kind of Roy Z's like signature sound and his like, I don't know, I think this is Roy Z stepping up and kind of expressing himself, which is kind of cool. And yeah. he like puts this kind of feel on the solo and it fits perfectly. a great solo really yeah. cool i really like the feeling of this song at this point in the album because yeah you're just hit, they're hitting you so hard with these like metal songs hmm. and i mean if you put another one and another one i think it would you'd kind of get lost you know what i mean absolutely it kind of gives you a chance to like kind of reassess the album and what's going on and i don't know yeah, it's a very recognizable song too. You start out if you've got the album on shuffle or anything like that. You'll as soon as you hit this, you'll go into it and you'll relax and you'll come into it. And I personally, I, I like the solo is really good. Um, the ramp up in the beginning you highlighted are, are key for me, but towards the end as it fades out, I love I love his vocal work on the back end of this. I just really enjoy this track. I, I, it's one of my favorites on the album. It's not well. It's not my favorite, but I mean it's 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 up there. I love it. It's it's yeah. one I always look forward to every time it comes on. It is cool that the way mm. that they end the song too. He kind of goes into the chorus and he keeps singing lyrics with that chorus melody, but then he lays yeah. that like high pitched background 
singing over it and it sounds really cool yeah which is interesting to think that he did that because the way he recorded it right we talked about that last uh episode he you were saying that he he'd been more or less banged it out in three days so they yeah. came up with the idea to do this and then layered it after yeah he well, just laid down multiple tracks anyway, but, yeah. yeah so this is the part we're talking about It's a great song, love it. Yeah, and we, we've 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 heard a lot of layering, you know, Bruce over the years, but it's not too often he does a, just kind of a you know almost a harmony and then a vocals over it. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It's a cool touch. Oh, to wind that song down. To yeah. the next song, "River of No Return." I am. Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast, possibly the best podcast in the world. River of No Return. I went back and and had a look at my take on this one for the Screen for Me Sarajevo review. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I didn't think to do that. Yeah, yeah, and and I think my, my take on it was like it was a bit repetitive, and I definitely say that again now. But I would probably, again, like, it's funny because I almost think they should split these two songs up because they're very similar uh, in the in the order. But this is, again, one of my favorite tracks on the album. But despite my, despite my misread on uh, the Scream for Me Sarajevo kind of um, review that we did when we covered this track then... When I teed up a couple of weeks ago saying that um, Kill Devil Hill isn't my favorite on this album, yeah, what I was referring to was this track. So I okay. would probably put this as, you know, now there's, I don't know, now I, I've got other tracks in the album that are up there, but I, I, you know, Kill Devil Hill is like right off the bat, and you sent it to me like early on, you were like, we got to do this album, we were listening to this, yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Um, but I, I bit into this like right away. There's yeah, a lot going on. This is one of my here. favorites on here too. Yeah. And it you think of it as paired with the last song as kind of like yeah. more of a softer, slower song. But this song is heavy, man. This part of the song was really heavy. But that's just the chorus feel. Yeah. Um, but but, but I know like, exactly what you're saying. It starts yeah. off. There's it's, like a breakdown got, yeah. in the middle that's super heavy. Yeah. We'll get to all that. 
Yeah. So I have a quote from Bruce, and he says, he's talking about the last song, Navigate the Seas of the Sun is about carrying on to go and not return to raise families to colonize. River of No Return is the same deal, but it's a spaceship on which two people are sent out. They're partners, but there's a guilty secret, and as they go on through eternity, the secret pushes them apart. It's an allegory of lousy relationships. So I don't know what to make of that. And the That's lyrics are like living longer in the astral yeah. waste. We stare at each other. We look death in the face. All my life in front of you, lonely secrets hidden from your view. Now we orbit a different sun for eternity doomed to tell no one. Ugh, more, more, more foreshadowing from Bruce. <laughs> yeah, totally. And but I mean, you still have that like, you know, orbiting a different sun. It's still with this science fiction. Yeah, theme on the go. And the electronic production touches in there, too. Like, with the intro, like, if you listen to the intro, it's got a bunch of these, like, electronic kind of futuristic sounds in there. hear those little like keyboard flourishes in there i guess is yeah. the right word it just gives yeah. it this like kind of electronic future feel it does. and that's again another production touch that helps the songs kind of feel cohesive like an album you know what i mean yeah yeah cool. those guitar chords at the beginning totally remind me of something and i cannot figure out what it is yeah i found that the whole way through this album like especially you know uh abduction this track and then right at the end um there's definitely like a tone there i don't know what it is but i almost feel like it's almost like some of the darker sound garden or there's a metallica tinge there i don't know what it is but you know it's definitely a a, well the guitar tones and the riffs and stuff at the beginning of this album it really sounds a lot like some of the like the uh, Blaze Bailey stuff that he does with uh, the Appletons, Chris Appleton, like very similar. And now that I think about it, mm-hmm. I've never really thought about it till now. But like guitar yeah. riffs and the tone and like those aggressive sounding metal riffs. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a lot going on there. Would you say before you get into the vocals? Would you? I I would say this is the best vocal performance on the album. Um, for me, maybe. it's up there. It's up there. I never really thought to compare mm. them all. It's a Even leading into the chorus, like he he hammers it, and then he yeah. goes into the chorus. Now, none of none of this album, to be honest, it's a vocal, and it's it's a it's a solo album from a vocalist. And I'm like, I'm surprised. You know, we did we did talk about, um, you know, even in the other uh, solo albums that I panned, there were some periods where he just like went off. And you know, maybe the recording, you know, the three days, the bruised ribs, the stuff you talked about last time. He doesn't open up the throttle a lot. He just kind of is consistent and really good. But I find in this one, like, he adds a lot. I don't know. My two two cents. Yeah. Now, his vocal mm-hmm. performance on this whole album, considering he did it in three days with bruised ribs, like you said, you yeah. know, it, it's... But, I mean, it's... it's He's a... People know him as a heavy metal singer yeah. and vocalist. So when you put a solo album out, I think people are looking for, like, vocal performances. And I think he, like, really delivers. Like, the chorus on this song 
is another, like you said, it's a really great vocal delivery. As our fingers leave their trace, we are gods and the world That's a really great yeah. performance, the vocals on this. So what's what's he doing there? So the way they recorded that, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, River of No Return, they're they're doubling that up. I, yeah. I almost so wonder... he'll sing he's singing the vocal track yeah. and then he's going yeah. and overdubbing a harmony at certain parts. Did they well, do that or, or did Roisey do that because the lead in was so strong and then he just didn't want the chorus to fall flat? And it, was that all recorded in one take, I wonder? I don't know. You add harmonies just to kind of, yeah. you know, to emphasize, improve, yeah. emphasize and thicken up the sound depth. and make it yeah. more. Yeah. But, yeah. well, the quote that I had from Roy Z, he said that Bruce generally did four takes of each song. Nice. So I don't know if that means he laid down four takes and he picked one take, or I would assume he did this in Pro Tools, I think. So I assume he would, like, would snip and cut maybe, you know, the first line from yeah. this course is the best take. You know what I mean? I would assume that that's what's going on. Yeah, I just find his tone changes so much before and during the chorus. I mean, he yeah. could be breathing and changing it, but like it just seems to me like he he comes into the chorus so heavy, just like you know, just like leaning into it, and then you know he goes right to harmony. It's just I love it, man. I gotta say, like that clip demonstrates what I love about this this track. It's just amazing. You think of the song as kind of a a mellow part in the middle of the album. Yeah. So this is the breakdown in the middle of the song that I was talking about, where it gets like really heavy. So that's pretty heavy for like for a song you generally think of as like being mellow. You know what I mean? It's my kind of slow dance. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty cool. Let's do it. <laughs> so next track, Power of the Sun. Yes, another awesome track. Awesome. Man. So this is the last song to be written for the album. Apparently. Really? Yeah. So Bruce tells the story. This is from the the Bruce Dickinson anthology DVD set. There's on disc DVD number three, there's something called the Tyranny of Souls electronic press kit where it's like a 30 minute interview where he's just like talking about this album. And he tells the story about, so Roy Z sent him all these tracks and he was trying to come up with lyrics and like melodies. And he said he was in Tokyo on the, this would be on the Dance of Death tour with Maiden. And he's wandering around really early in the morning in Tokyo listening to uh, Pink Floyd on his in his headphones, and then when the sun started to come up, he put in Power of the Sun, and he listened to it on repeat. And as the sun was coming up, walking around Tokyo, and he kind of got, he started started thinking about how, like a city kind of transforms from day to night. Like people come into the city, you know, in the morning, and then the you know it goes from a, like a deserted to like packed, and then people like flow out, kind of like a tide 
coming in and leaving. And he's like, that's the power of the sun. So that's where this whole like concept kind of came from. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, because he throws it. They mentioned Tokyo in the lyrics, don't they? Or is it? It's thrown in there somewhere, isn't it? He says something about like the city never sleeps, but I don't think he yeah. specifically says Tokyo. Yeah, there's a hook for me somewhere in there anyway. Yeah. Because I have that flagged in my notes. I was like, what is the Japanese connection? Okay. It might have been in something I was reading and related to it. Um, another, though, is this a prison cell? Oh, very maiden lyric, you mean? Yes, another one. <laughs> you know? And, uh, oh, my God. This, this, the intro, and this is deadly, and it ramps up so fast, man. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a solid track, but I think this is weaker than all the tracks that came before it. This is a really? little bit of a dip, a little bit of a dip. The, it's It's good riffs. I don't think the riff is as strong. They still hit you with this like super catchy chorus. So, I mean, it's a good chorus. The thing that bothers me about this chorus is this seems like the exact same chorus melody of Navigate the Seas of the Sun, but kind of sped up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah, Like, this song is like the power of the sun keeps us moving on, spinning ever faster. And then the other one's like living in this place, staring into space. We find we might share the corners of our lives. It's It's too similar in like melody to me. I don't know. It just, it, that really struck me. And it's catchy enough. It's got a good vocal hook in the chorus. I just don't think it's as strong as the songs that came up to it. And the other thing that bothers me about the song is the solo. I've been like raving about the guitar playing on this whole album. The solo on this one seems very much like a lot of shredding with no emotion. I mean yeah up to here there's been it's been very like the solos were a big part of the song that seems like kind of like filler to like kind of insert i can gu- see guitar that solo here i don't know yeah i don't know there's some great lyrics in the pace yeah i do so like good. the song i'm just saying yeah. it's you know where were the other songs are nines and tens this one's maybe an eight i'd, I'd agree with that uh, there's some good there's some good ramp up it's i don't know i mean I would put Power of the Sun and Devil on a Hog probably as two of the weaker tracks. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm uh, curious to think what you think of Devil on the Hog. So that's the next track. Yeah. I mean, basically, I like it again. Uh, you know, I love the lyrics. It's just kind of like a great, simple, almost biker tune. You know, it's it's a... It seems to me like yeah. kind of a throwback to the tattooed millionaire balls to yeah. Picasso era, like Bruce lyrics. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's it kind of goes from you were listening to a metal album. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're listening to like a hard rock album. Yeah. Um, like this riff is very hard rock. Yeah. 
Like that is very hard rock to me. That could be like a late era cult song. You know what I mean? Yeah. It sounds like the cult almost. Yeah. That's Which I love. Is, it, uh, don't get me wrong. I love the cult. Cult's one of my favorite bands of all time. So I I love the song. <laughs> yeah. That 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 would probably be my only criticism about the album is that as as some of the tracks go a little later, they kind of do lose a little bit of focus. Like, I don't know if that's that's a thing. Like, did they want to have some, uh, you know, like you got a producer who's pulling a lot of it together. They're trying to showcase a lot. Do you want variety or do you want a consistent sound? But, you know, and that one leads into the next one. I find this the same situation. Yeah. But uh, there's some great lyrics. Oh, yeah. I was kind of thinking that this was just because of the lyric and the the you know, this coming out of nowhere, I'm a Godhead rider. Head rider. That's my, that's my yeah. lyric, man. That's I don't my even know what that means, but it sounds coming so cool. Coming out of nowhere, I'm a it's Godhead sound, rider. Like, cool. I love that. That's the pre-chorus. So yeah. there's some motorcycle sound effects in there that are kind of like cheesy, but I kind of like it. It fits, suits the song. Yeah. The chorus is so catchy with such great harmonies. And there's like this thing about the pre-chorus when he says that coming out of nowhere, I'm a Godhead writer, where it like pans left and right in the mix, goes from the left speaker to the right. If you listen to yeah. it in headphones, you'll really notice it. that chorus the pre-chorus and the chorus in this Mm. i was i was kind of thinking just because it's kind of you know they kind of dropped that science fiction theme here and this is kind of like a throwback to older bruce sounding stuff and for some reason i had it in my head that this was going to be like the weak track on the album yeah but God, for like three days in a row, I had this coming out of nowhere. I'm a Godhead rider. And the chorus stuck in my head. It's so catchy. It got yeah. in my head. There's one day I woke up in the morning and I got up and I went downstairs to get my coffee. And I just had this stuck in my head from this, like the moment I woke up and it was stuck in my head for like the first hour that I was awake. I don't know what it is about the song. I and just... the whole My Machine lyric, like it's very, very catchy, right? I love the uh, I love the way like the chorus is awesome, but then at the end there's like this like this like dee, 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 transition this like really funny little transition into like to an amazing solo. Oh yeah, and, this is uh, the, the part you're talking about. Just Yeah, it's very cool. It's a 
really well put together song. Yeah. This is where in the last song you thought there was a reference to Tokyo. It's this song where it says, you might see me in Tokyo to the rings of Saturn. Hey, let's go. That's where it is. Yes, okay. Because yeah. so as soon as you said that in Power Sun, I was like, he dropped a Tokyo in there. Yep. No, it was the next track. Yeah. That makes sense. But uh, yeah. it's a super cool song. I don't know. Oh, that's I don't funny. Know why that's I funny. So yeah. Much. Okay. But yeah, it went from me thinking this was sort of a bit of a, you know, a throwaway track. But the fact that like this is the catchiest to me, this is the catchiest song on the on the album. Yeah, the the only thing I would say with these two songs is they're different. So, you know, you might you you might find it a little little different, but I I like them both. I mean, you know, you said that was Tattooed Millionaire. That would have been probably second or third best track on Tattooed Millionaire. Oh yeah, I think maybe the best track on Tattooed maybe Millionaire. Maybe the best track, right? Yeah. The next track was it Believable. Right. Right? I can't help. There's just something about it. I get a Soundgarden sound out of it. Yeah, well, they slow it down for a change of pace, which is cool. Yeah. And I like hearing Bruce sing, like, in the lower register for a bit. But, like, yeah. the front half of this album is really heavy with, like, pounding drums and really heavy metally riffs. Yeah. And this one is even more heavy in a way, but it's a different yeah. heaviness. It's, like, this sludgy, moody, like, brooding heaviness. Yeah. I think that's where you're pulling Soundgarden from. It's kind of like old sound. It's got that kind of feel to it. I don't know what it is. I just, I felt it and I went through and I started listening to Soundgarden. I was like, I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to Nesbit Nesbit. Yeah. Got nowhere. Got nowhere. Yeah. I ended up, but you know what? I did drink a few beer and listen to a bunch of Soundgarden. I don't know. It could be like a, a beyond the wheel type of vibe from the beginning. You know what I mean? I don't know what it is. It's like that reverb, yeah. like that, that echoiness in the beginning. I don't know what it is. It just triggers me every time. <laughs> It's a pretty cool song. It's cool mm. because at this point in the album, to drop this, it's very like, it's called believable, but it is very very evil sounding. You know what I it mean? It is. It is. I don't know if it's on the level of the others, but like, it does have a very catchy chorus. I do like this song. Mm. I don't know if it's like a high point on the album or anything. It's co- it's no. cool. It's like I I don't skip it. It's got a cool evil feel. Something about the song that bugs me is the very beginning. The drums on the song, mm. the way they are in the mix, they sound really weird in the intro. Like the beginning, not the intro, but like the first part of the song. And yeah. there's something about the drums that just kind of like I cannot think how to ex- describe it it's like emotionless it doesn't it, i don't know yeah i don't know it kind of it kind of starts the end of the album for me i just find it kicks yeah me you're kind of heavier yeah you're kind of you know, into and the then end of it here yeah yeah and then you're waiting for tyranny of souls and then you're kind of done yeah. so you I got know a so it's quote from it, roy z and he said yeah. believal and tyranny of souls those were original demos that appear on the album we just added drums and added some tracks too so this is uh basically the original demo that like Bruce was sent wow. what well, they added some, well, he says here they added drums and added some tracks. I wonder if the drums that are added that I'm complaining about are like sampled. 
I wonder if that's why I find them like emotionless. Hmm. But there's something about uh, here. I'll play a little bit of a clip from the beginning, and these drums just sound—they don't sound like I don't know. They sound out of place or something. I don't know. That part really bugged me. I don't know what it was. Eh, fair that's, enough. That's believable. And then you're into the Tyranny of Souls, the title track. The title track. Right. The end track, the last track. Right. So I think yeah. this is very, very Black Sabbath-y as far as like the notes played. So do you yeah. know the title track, Black Sabbath, from the first Black Sabbath album by yes, Black Sabbath? Yeah. So that's yeah. those three chords they're playing, that's called the tritone. Yeah. And... So in the Middle Ages, you hear these stories. They used to call it the Diabolus in Musica, which means like the devil in music. And you hear these stories about it. Like they say the church banned those three notes from being played together. I don't know how true that is, but they, you know, you read that all the time. So yeah, if, we, if we if we ban these notes, that'll keep the teenagers from listening to them. <laughs> but these are what I'm talking about. These three notes. So it gives like a super creepy feeling. And this yeah. song does the exact same thing with like, they're playing a tritone. So that's why, you know, it has that, like, Sabbath-y, evil, dark feeling. When I hear that, I instantly think of Black Sabbath. Wow. So it's very heavy and evil-sounding. Yeah, you've got that, uh, you've got my father's copy of that album. I do. I have, like, multiple yeah. copies of that album. <laughs> yeah. But I do have your, uh, yeah. Yeah. Burn it. So the <laughs> <laughs> Sabbath are amazing, but. The first. Yeah, with Ozzy. Okay, so the lyrics on this song, when shall we three meet again in thunder, lightning, or in rain, when the hurly-burly's done, when the battle's lost and won. That's like word for word from the first scene of Macbeth. Yes. So that's Bruce kind of like reaching into, you know, like Maiden does and like he did with the album covers. It's like, you know, he's tapping into classics. (laughs) Yeah, it's it, it it's it's always a funny thing when they do that because it's almost like you know one of those you know skeets that just got out of jail with like a quote on their arm tattooed. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like it's not exactly like wow, you're 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 an intellectual. <laughs> you know, it's just like you know, nothing. Bethy was like, ooh, I like yeah, it. the first like few it. lines, like cauldron, like... cauldron. You know, yeah. oil and trouble. Uh, let's let's write a song about witches. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, he but, tapped into that. Yeah. But, yeah. He didn't but you know what? I also kind of love... Pull the, pull the lyric. He went right from it, the... It, <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, if he was like, oh, this is, you know, the Latin interpretation of it, no one would know. So, yeah. I mean, it's we, very all, we all want it to be accessible. Yeah. 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 It's cool. And another, like, really catchy chorus in the song. It's like another catchy chorus. There's a few more like Macbeth mm-hmm. references in there, but you know, I think it's a great song. Oh, I think it's an excellent song. It's yeah. it's a bit heavy at points. Very good vocals. You know the the album. You know title track. It's it fits with the whole album. I find it's a good it's a good bookend. I wouldn't put it as one of the top tracks, but it's up there for me, and I always enjoy it. You know. Yeah, totally. Like, mm. I think. It's it's five minutes and forty eight seconds, which is mm-hmm. good. I think if they had have stretched this out longer, it wouldn't work as well. Yeah, this is one of those songs where like if Maiden got their hands on it in the nineties, it would have turned into like eleven minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. But it's uh, right. it's it's a catchy chorus. The heavy bridge in the middle like really kicks ass. It's like really heavy. Roy Z drops in a bunch of like Zach Wild kind of pinch harmonics, which I always love hearing. Um, and he hasn't really done much up to this point, so it's it's kind of a unique touch to add. I love the bridge of the song. that's pretty cool it's very heavy sounding that's pretty cool that's awesome and you know what another great solo i would i haven't i haven't counted them i haven't tracked them but there's at least four or five good solos solo on this this album on this song yeah is great like the tones of that he gets with his guitar i just love and there's some guitar harmony layered in there i would go so far as to say this might be one of the best solos on the album pretty cool yeah and and it's it's so well placed in the title track because and at the end because it kind of bookends it but for me i mean 
I definitely, you could argue that's the best solo, but I'd put Abduction and Soul Intruders yeah. probably above it or up there. But the point that... It's one that of the best. Yeah, but they're basically the first, you know, two tracks, if you don't include the Mars intro one. And and then, you know, this on the back end, it's a real good bookend of solos yeah. where, like, you know, the producer slash, you know, Roy Z has put so much into this, who's playing so many parts, he just, like, starts it screaming, and then he goes out, and then... Bruce comes in with the tyranny of souls. It's like, it's a really good bookend, really good yeah. capstone. It is cool kind of how the track. solo drops yeah. out and then boom, boom, he hits you with the chord. Yeah. And I like mm. having the title track as the last track. It's just, it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Especially when you've like made your point, you know, and, and, and we always joke about or talk about or allude to themes. This does have some themes in it. It does have some neat stuff, you know, yeah. the concept of souls from soul intruder you know, the whole way through abduction, Mars piece, you know, um, there's there's so much space themes. Then navigate the seas of the sun and the power of the sun, even though the Tokyo references and stuff, you know, there's there's some there's some space components there and you know, how soulless space is and and you know, the soul the soul invaders and all that stuff. And then to end it up, you know, Devil on a Hog, some of those in the middle, they don't yeah. fit the theme that Devil much, but there is kind of... It's yeah. fun, but yeah, I know what you mean. But, the, but there is kind of an overriding theme where you could at least, if you take like a, a space frontier stretching out there, looking above, you know, and, and and if you take that kind of perspective and, you know, the soul invaders are out there and, the, you know, what's that? There, there's a bunch of uh, references that way. You can tie together some interesting theme points. Yeah. So I've got a bit of a uh, trivia about the song. So I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but remember I talked about the three tremors, which was going to be this like three super, a super group of like three singers. So anyway, I've got a quote from Bruce and he says, uh, it's about this song. And he says, it was the only song that I wrote for which was designed for three voices. And the yeah. demo of it, I actually did almost impressions of a Rob version, a Jeff Tate bit, and my bit, and we split them up. And we're going to the big chorus of Tyranny of Souls. Obviously, all three of us would be singing together like a big choir. And doing that song, I thought, yeah, that would kind of work. But I need another 12 songs like that to do a whole performance, because otherwise it's a novelty thing. You just can't do things because of the novelty value. You should do things because they're musically great. So originally, Bruce wrote the song to be sung by him, Rob Halford, and Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie James Dio, yeah. yeah. Oh no, yeah, you talked about uh, Jeff Tate. No, Jeff Rob Tate, Halford you just Jeff said, Tate. yeah, yeah. But the uh, originally Bruce wanted it to be him, no, Rob, Rob Halford, Halford, and Jeff Tate, not Ronnie James Dio. But Ronnie James Dio is who he originally wanted. Oh, okay. And then it was switched to like Jeff Tate. But basically, yeah. the song was written for that project to be like sung the different verses to be sung each by a different person, and then when that chorus yeah. comes in, to have all three people singing it. Yeah. And he kind of wrote it's this be one song. The, the, and, yeah. the Trilogy of Souls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's where the song came from. One thing I wanted to throw, because I love this. I love this uh, track. I love this album. I think this is a really, really good album. Um, if you're into Bruce's solo stuff, um, you already know about this. But if you're not, this is an area to get interested in because it's well-produced. I think that's the difference you know in in the in the parts of bruce's solo work that i'm i you know i've 
I've decided to dig into. I like this because it's well produced. Yeah, it sounds great. And that's probably why yeah. I like Chemical Wedding too. Chemical Wedding yes. sounds great. Yeah, well, I love that too, yeah. Yeah. But I can't say the same for Paul's to Picasso. Hey, mate, we just went in and took a picture in a bathroom. It was way better than that <laughs> awesome picture that went on to be like it just feel like so hemmed together, all of it, right? Oh, we recorded it like nine times and it never worked, so we just kept going with it. <laughs> the first know? one, Tattooed Millionaire seemed like him and Yannick having fun. Yeah. It didn't seem like a you know, it seemed like they were just kind of joking around writing some rock songs. Um, I know what you mean. Like I don't know. Like, okay, so I would say so this is a really good solo album. Not many traces of Maiden on it. It's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like this one doesn't sound very maiden It's very like a Roisy, medley Bruce album, which is, I don't know. If people say this sounds like Maiden, there's a few points where it does with like some harmonized guitars and maybe a gallop. But other than Definitely. the Bruce vocals, a lot of this is very non-Maiden-y sounding, which I now, think is kind well- of good. I don't want to break your train of thought, but Abduction has got the has got the gallop. Kill Devil Hill, like, could totally be a maiden song. Just think about Montesegur, like any of those. Like it's there's Maybe. so much commonality there, right? And and like these could all fit in. I think the guitar uh tone that they use is just so uniquely not maiden and so metal. That's true too. But but keep your chain of thought. Yeah. I, I could see that structure of these songs fitting in. But yeah, like we were talking, you were talking about Tattooed Millionaire. This is better than Tattooed Millionaire and Balls to Picasso. Yeah. If you took those two albums and made a best yeah. of of those two, this album's still better. I think still better. Yeah, oh, um, like Tattooed Millionaire. Like I said, I don't think he was that serious. It's it's like like Son of a Gun, Tattooed Millionaire, Born in '58, Gypsy Road. I like those songs, but there's yeah. a lot of like stuff on there that I would never <laughs> he, listen to. Son of a Gun. Every time I hear that, I still laugh. Oh, son of a gun. Because it's like, what's a gun called? Son of a gun. What do you do? Say son of a gun in a lot of times. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> but anyway, Tattoo Millionaire, I thought was like, yeah. overall, not bad. No one's going to call that mm. a great album. There's some great, I think there's a few great songs on there, but it's like, it's inconsistent. And I think it's, it is what it is, which is kind of like Bruce did it with Yannick to, yeah. it sounds like they're having fun, but not. It's not that they weren't serious about it, but I think they were just kind of like having fun and writing songs mm. and throwing them out there. Balls to Picasso is a bit of a step up. A lot of throwaway stuff on there, I think. Like, yeah. there's some great stuff, but it's kind of padded out with some like joke songs and like failed experiments. You know, the raps, shoot all the clowns. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But like, <laughs> yeah. you gotta admit, Change of Hearts <laughs> that, good. That, in fairness, that was one of the better tracks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you gotta admit that like Change of Hearts pretty good. Gods of War yeah. is great. Tears yeah. of the Dragon's yeah. great. So yeah. there is great stuff on that album. There's some good right. stuff. And then we get There's into like Skunk Works. There's like three good stuffs. <laughs> there There's we, three stuffs that were good. Then you get into Skunk Works, which I don't yeah. want to get into the whole Skunk Works thing. I know no, you don't like it. We did that. But I yeah. think it's very unique sounding, and there's like no trace of Maiden yeah. on that. And I think no, it's very... It's a grunge album. I don't think so. I think it's very it's very different from the metal stuff he'd been doing up to that point. He wanted it to be a grunge album. I don't know. I don't think so. People call it grunge, but I wouldn't call it that. Like... Kiss Carnival of Souls is Kiss trying to be grunge. This doesn't sound like grunge. Mm. It's more alternative rock, right? And I think it's very unique from what's going on at the time. It's just yeah. there's something about that album that I like. Super solid. I think it's a really slow grower. But I love Skunk Works. I mean, I've got the DVD, Skunk Works Live. Yeah. I, listen oh, to this album. I listen to it a lot. I like it a lot. I can see how it's not to people's tastes. But, like, yeah. I think it's a very solid album. And then Accident of Birth is the next album. That's really good, too. For some reason, I never got it in this album, but, like, everyone says that's the best Bruce album. 
But like, yeah. I don't know why I only know half of that album. Like half mm. the songs on that album, I wouldn't be able to sing to you if you, I don't know. It never really pulled me in the way the other ones did. Yeah. I've never really gone in and put the time in to try to get to know it. And I mean, yeah. I've got it on in multiple versions upstairs. I don't know why that album, for some reason, I never really gave it a chance. I mean, Adrian Smith's on it. I should like it. I mean, the songs that I do know, I do like. It's just, I really need to go back and listen to that album. I don't know why I skipped that over. And then you get into Chemical Wedding. I think that's a masterpiece. Has a great flow. Adrian's on it again. And that production kind of, the mixing and the production on that album, I think kind of flows into this album, which is, you know, almost no filler. There's no filler on this album. It's super solid. Um, 43 minutes, you know? Like, there's no... It's all meat and no fat. It's just, yeah. it's really, really great album. Yeah. So for it's me, got some grizzle, but it's good grizzle. So for me, out of the Bruce solos, mm. this album and Chemical Wedding, I think, are the best. Yeah. I yes. really like Skunk Works at probably third. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Accident of Birth is, I just need to dig into because for some reason, everyone puts that in their top. One, yeah, two, so, or three. So and I, for could, some I reason, agree I just with skipped it. I don't know why. Yeah, I agree with you completely on that. Except Skunk Works and Accident Skunk Works, I can't get into, but I'd yep. still put it above those other two. Yep. And then Accident of Birth, I don't really know. And you know, the, but just step back for a second. The reason you like Chemical Wedding and you like this album is because they are way more Maiden than both of those. Although you can maybe argue. You know, Balls to Picasso was like no prayer stage or whatever you want to do to bend it around. But we didn't like that stage of Maiden as much as the other stages. And this, these two recent albums are awesome. Now, I'll throw this at you. Bruce calls in, Bruce comes in for three days, ribbed up, and does all the recording for the vocals. Yep. He's sending him productions of the song, of, 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 of kind of like ideas for the songs. He's reading them, doing a bit of writing, thinking about them. How much of this album is Roy Z and how much of this album is Bruce? Because I love Bruce and Bruce is amazing here, but he's totally set up to succeed here. That's why this worked. Yeah, I think Roy Z is like... That's 80% Roy Z. And now it's yeah. Bruce's on the stage. But I mean, this has got Harris written yeah. all over. It's and like, Bruce, oh, Bruce is... Bruce, you know? I think he came up with like the melodies and the vocals and the lyrics. Yeah. But yeah, the, these song ideas were all like, you know, Bruce... Like... Roy Z said he sent 20 songs to Bruce and Bruce picked the first eight in the order that he sent them to him. And exactly. those, yeah. And they I guarantee you after he was like, why did I send him 20? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that this is like, this is the beauty of Harris, right? Like Harris is just like, man, he, he, he got what Bruce loves and he's like, give him an army jacket and a flag. And then just like, let him out on the stage and we'll just like lay down three guitar harmony. Yeah. He's just going to be waving. Like he knows Harris knows how to tee people up. Roy Z, who's been doing all this time with amazing, you know, other musicians and backing them up and layering. Like, he is the guy who sets the, the stage, you know? Yep. Like, he gets it. So he set him up to win here. So, you know, I I really get a lot of respect for them. I just, I love Bruce. And I know Bruce can't go off on his own and come up with this in its entirety as it is on his own. Like, he would take it in directions that I wouldn't enjoy as much. But this has been made for him, and it's it's made out of you know by someone who obviously loves him and knows exactly how to showcase his talents. Yeah, I think that's a fair thing to say. Yeah, yeah. So again, like I can't uh, stress enough how awesome Roy Z is. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can see why you're pretty keen on getting another solo album now. Now it makes more sense to me. Yeah. So apparently, you know? yeah, Bruce and Roy Z have a half-finished solo album, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know when we'll see that, but hopefully soon. Yeah, I mean, Roy Z's got to be licking his lips. He's got to be like, right now during a pandemic, if we release this, and we did a clear one and a blue vinyl and a double <laughs> vinyl. I mean, you know, Nesbitt would buy all three plus someone else. That's six. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So uh, that's about it for this album. It. Uh, Went to number 71 on the Canadian album charts. Number two in Greece. There you go. Number 10 in Sweden. 65 in the UK. Number 180 on the US Billboard 200. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know, it, wasn't, it wasn't a huge commercial success, but none of these solo no. albums really are. The, the Iron Maiden, as soon as they step outside of the Maiden, it's like a cliff. Yeah. Commercially, it's a cliff. No yeah. one succeeded commercially outside of Maiden. Not, not like... No one, period. Yeah. No one. I mean, Steve Harris's Tiny Clubs. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. Yep. That's true. Yeah. I like that British Line album. I mean, I live in Canada, and it was hard for me to get a copy of that on vinyl. Yeah. Without oh, by ordering the way, it from you know, another I, country and paying, like, I saw what you more. did there with the pandemic playlist, by the way. That's how you did. What did I do? <laughs> you stuck a couple in there. I didn't put any well, you stuck. You stuck in one there. in there. No, oh, you didn't. Oh, British, British. No, land. you did put a skunk works on it. No, I've listened to it a couple of times now. Yes, you put a skunk works on it. I'm There's pretty sure you did. nothing from skunk works on there. You sure? I'm positive. I don't know, but you put a British line on there. I did put a British line. Well, yeah. I tried to stick to songs that were uh, stuff we talked about on the spot. That podcast. were relevant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot and of we stuff did there. Talk about was like, that oh, stuff, yeah. 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 Um, one last thing about the uh, Macbeth reference in the Tyranny of Souls. Yeah. Um, Disney Plus put up the Gargoyles animated series, apparently. Okay. Now I have them all on DVD, and, like, I'm a Gargoyles nerd. Okay. Like, I used to have a website in 1994 for Gargoyles, the animated series. But Gargoyles is, like, if you're into fantasy, D&D, any of that stuff, which I really was 25 years ago, um, Gargoyles, check it out. And I, I guarantee there's a couple of our listeners that love Gargoyles. But... Real fantasy stuff. Like, it was considered this, like, oh, cartoon, but it wasn't. It was real deep. The guys who wrote it were just, they had a lot of layers. Um, you know, it was kind of a, you know, a little historically loose. But there was some really, really, really great stuff in there. So Gargoyles is coming out on Disney Plus, apparently. Now, I don't need it because I have it all on <laughs> my own versions of DVDs and booklets of VHS. But anyway, I'd love for someone to write in about that. Does that tie into Macbeth somehow? Yeah, it does because there's a character Macbeth in it. Okay. And uh, he is Macbeth from, from historical times. And, like, he's okay. he makes a deal with one of the gargoyles, and the two of them become entwined. And they can't die until the other dies. So they go through time, <laughs> like, trying to kill each other. It's a really, really cool storyline. They're both do trying a, to kill uh, each other so they can die. I mean, it's really, really crazy. You should, but I'm like, they, they're trying to kill each other. I'm like, why don't you just let one of you win? But they, they want to be the one that kills. So why don't you do a uh, YouTube mashup of your Gargoyles clips with uh, Tyranny of Souls in the background music? <laughs> I could. I could. All right, Believe let's wrap me. it up. That yeah, was, uh, it was Oh, excellent. one thing we didn't talk about. There is a bonus track for this album. It's called Eternal. And it was on the Japanese version of this album. I don't have much for this. I kind of dropped the ball on this. I've got one quote from Roy Z. He says, so I wrote a bunch of stuff and he picked eight songs from the 20 I sent him. And he said, I want to use Believal, Tyranny of Souls and a song called Eternal. But at the very last minute, we decided not to make it onto the album. But it was to be used as a B-side or bonus track. So that's the song Eternal. I'll play it. Here's a clip of Eternal just to 
say that we talked about it. So it's a pretty mellow track. I think it. I, I don't think it would have fit on this album. No. Yeah. Now it was on the screen for me, Sarajevo soundtrack. So technically, we did talk about it before. Yeah, we did. We covered it. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, it was tacked on the end there too. I think. Yeah. My, my memory serves me correctly. It might um, be the song during the credits of the of the documentary. I think. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they, he did an acoustic. There's a yeah. I have to revisit all that stuff. Um. Excellent. Well, we're gone a little long on our second episode, you know, or on our second, uh, yeah, episode on this album, <laughs> which uh, puts us as way, way beyond, uh, you know, somewhere in time. <laughs> ah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? <laughs> right on. You can get us at TalkingMaiden.com, get us on Twitter, get us on Facebook. Yep. Until next time, up the irons, down the hops. Yeah.